You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Deuteronomy chapter number 7. We're going to read verse number 1 down through verse number 11. And I want to show you a verse that uh, describes to us who our God is. And pray that God will use it in your heart just to be an encouragement tonight. The Bible said, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I thought about this in the office. Are there any nations anymore where we call them something-ites? Or have we just stopped that? We're not Americanites. Or, uh, not to get raised, Mexicanites. You know, it's just, is that because God always killed them? I don't know. Anyway, I just thought about that. Kind of a deep thought for you to consider in your Bible study tonight. Seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall destroy their altars." And break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you... And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now therefore, or know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repayeth them that hate him to their face, to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. When you look at the book of Deuteronomy, and Brother Oxendine spoke from this book on Wednesday night, Deuteronomy is a reminder to the aged individual in Israel and it's instruction to the future of Israel. God is very concerned with the conduct of his children. In fact, you find that the conduct of his children is directly connected to their ability to conquer. If they are going to experience victory, they have to live in obedience and in accordance to the Word of God. That is still true today that you and I have victory positionally in Jesus Christ, but daily practical victory comes by obedience. And Brother Reamers preached on that, I believe it was last Sunday night. I was reading here in chapter number 7 while Brother Oxendine preached from chapter 6. That is not true. I actually had this done before. But he scared me, made me nervous when he said, turn there. I thought, nobody preaches out of Deuteronomy. And then he did it. But I, I was studying this earlier, and I came to chapter 7. And I want you to see what the Bible said in verse 1. The first phrase, when the Lord thy God shall. See that? Look at verse number 2. And when the Lord thy God shall. 
He is saying this as though it's already taken place. It has not happened, but in the mind of God, it is as good as finished. It is done. Mark it down. It is ready to be delivered. It, it is done in God's mind. Though they've not crossed over, God has already said, when you cross over, you're going to get the victory. I'm glad that with God, you can take doubt out of the equation. Now, you and I might doubt, but I'm glad God does not dwell in the realm of doubt. I'm glad God is a God of absolute. And in God's mind, tomorrow has already taken place. Isn't that amazing? Places you and I are going to go, God's already been there. We've not crossed over. We've yet to fight the battle. But in God's mind, God's already been there. For a little while tonight, I want to preach on this thought, the God who shall. The God who shall. And I want to encourage us tonight about our God. I remember hearing the story about a little boy. And he was in Sunday school, and he was drawing away during Sunday school. And they were supposed to draw their favorite Bible character. And he just got down on his paper, had his tongue sticking out uh, between his teeth, just drawing away. And his teacher said, who are you drawing? And little Johnny said, I'm drawing God. And she said, well, Johnny, nobody's ever seen God. He said, they're going to see him in a minute. <laughs> well, I hope from this text we'll be able to get a good glimpse of who our God is in just a minute. Let's pray, God. I pray for your help tonight to preach. And I pray for your power and for liberty. And most of all, that you'd be honored that we'd make you real big tonight. God, I pray you be pleased with this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You've heard that statement before, two things in life are certain death and taxes. And usually when it's time for one, you consider the other. And uh, that statement's a little bit humorous, but the truth of it is it holds true that very few aspects of life are guaranteed. In fact, most of the areas of our life, you have to use words like might or could or maybe. Life is unpredictable, life is undependable, and it's uncertain. If you think about conversation, it's much more common to hear the word if than to hear the word when. And just about every area of even our own life is out of our control. For example, when we consider the weather, we always have to say it might. When we consider our health, we have to say it could. When we talk about our wealth, our money, we have to say well, maybe. And from our position, all of those things and more are unpredictable, they are undependable, and they are uncertain. But tonight in our text, I want to introduce you to something that is a million times more certain than death or taxes. Two times in the opening two verses of our text, we find a word, and it's the word shall. And what makes that word shall remarkable is what the word is attached to. The word shall means something that is definite. It means something that is determined. It means something that is settled. It means something that is sure. It is not something that is yet to be decided. It is something that is already decided. And what makes those two shalls so remarkable and extra good for you and I tonight is that both of those shalls are connected to our God. In verse number one, I'll read it. It says, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land. Verse number two, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee. In these verses, we are formally introduced to someone in whom there is no maybe, in whom there is no could, and thank God in whom there is no might. Our God is a God that is not unreliable, He is not unpredictable, and He is not uncertain. I want to say it again, that our God does not deal in doubt, 
Our God does not submit to chance. Our God does not view the future with worry because the future is bound up in his will. I'm, I'm glad tonight that our God is not up in heaven biting his nails, rolling the dice, and waiting to see what might happen. But tonight he is the God who authored the past and controls today and will map out tomorrow. He is not a God of might. He is not a God of could. He is not a God of maybe. He is the God who shall. I can take you throughout the Bible and give you a shall. I'm glad he's the God of shall when it comes to salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad it's not maybe. I'm glad it's not might. I'm glad it's not could. But I'm glad if you and I will cry out to Christ for forgiveness, it's a guarantee. It is settled and decided that if we'll call on that name, that's above every name, you can, will be saved. I'm glad there's a shall of scripture. Heaven and earth will pass away, but he said, my word shall not pass away. I'm glad there's going to be a Bible as long as there is a God. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. It might not be settled in a lot of our Baptist churches, but I'm glad it's settled up in heaven and the word of God will stand after this earth is dissolved and no more. It's a shall. There's a shall for our supply, but my God shall supply all your need. I'm glad tonight that everything I need comes from his hand. I'm glad his storehouse never runs on lack. It's always in the surplus. And whenever I ring the bell of heaven, God stands ready to supply whatever I need. I'm glad there's a shall of revival. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. I'm glad it's not might. I'm glad it's not could. I'm glad it's not maybe. But I'm glad if we'll meet God's required condition that God promises to send revival. I'm glad there's a shall of our request. I'm glad when I pray that he'll hear and answer my prayer. There's a shall of rapture. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel in the trump of God in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. The Bible said we shall be changed. This corruptible shall put on incorruptible. This mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. I'm glad tonight you and I might deal with doubt. We might struggle with worry. We might wonder about tomorrow, but God does not do that. He's not tossing and turning through the night. He's not pacing the floor. He's not birthing ulcers in his belly. He is on the throne and in control. He's the God who shall. That almost make a Baptist shout on a Sunday night. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, this is a chapter that calls God's people to obey God's word. It's interesting to me that the key to getting through the wilderness was obedience, and the key to conquering Canaan was also obedience. What that tells me is it doesn't matter if you're a new convert or a spirit-filled seasoned saint. It is still obedience that brings the blessings of God. As we begin to dive in and dissect the text, it opens with three distinct divisions. There is instruction, 
There is the importance of the instruction, and there is inspiration to obey the instruction. Let's look at it quickly. In verse 1 through 3, we find the instruction, and then I'll tag verse 5 as well. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest, to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, and then he goes through all these ites and things. Verse number 2, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, here's the instruction, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them, neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou make uh, take unto thy son. Now look at verse 5. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. He is saying when you cross into Canaan, there are some instructions for you to follow, and here's what it is. All of those nations yonder in Canaan land are heathen nations, pagan nations, worldly nations, and anti-God nations. I don't want you to build a bridge to that nation. I don't want you to yoke up with those nations. I don't want you to have a fellowship with those nations. I want you to utterly destroy all of those people. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to break down their altars. I want you to destroy their groves. I want you to get rid of every aspect of their pagan religion. Don't have it in the land of Canaan. Can I say, that is still the marching orders for the people of God today, that we have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, that we're to come out from among them and be a separate, that we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, that we're to mark and avoid those that cause offense contrary to the doctrine that we have delivered. And I want to go on record and say, as long as God lets me live, I want God to ring out my life and to do my best to destroy every false altar, break down every image, and destroy every grove of anything that is anti-God. The homosexual agenda, the transgender agenda, the emergent church agenda ought not stand to the people of God. You say, well, I don't really agree with that. Well, I agree with it. Muhammad is a false prophet. And I want to tear that down. Buddha is a dead deity, and I want to tear that down. Hinduism is hogwash. I want to tear that down. Mormonism is a cult. Jehovah Witnesses are liars. I want to tear it down. Everybody all right? And here is the importance of the instruction. Look at verse 4, and here's why. In verse number 4, for they will turn away thy son. If you don't deal with compromise, it's going to get your son. It's going to get your children. If you just want to be pacifist in this thing, you can if you want to, and you might skate through because you've got some principle nailed down in your heart, but your children are going to suffer. He said, here's what's going to happen. They're going to turn away thy son from following me that they might serve other gods. That's why I thank God when a preacher cries aloud and spares not against these trends that he sees creeping into churches across the land. It is not to be mean or narrow or bigoted or to lose friends. God knows he doesn't have enough of those as it is. It is to try and salvage the storm that is on the way. Amen. He said, I'll just give it some space, give it some room, and you watch what happens. And here's the inspiration to keep it. You say, well, I just think we got to go with the contemporary music and the lower the dress standards. Don't be a hypocrite. I went to Target on Friday night, and I thought I was driving through. I told you, glitter and, glitter and gayness everywhere. That's a good tweet right there. I, I was the Swift, Taylor Swift people. Man, I didn't even know about that going on. I touched my glasses and I'm OCD and it's going to kill me the rest of this service. But anyway, uh, I was driving to Target 
And I pulled up there, and I saw, I saw you, Mrs. Yeoman, not at the concert. Lion was at the concert. She was protesting, holding up a big gospel sign up there. Lion Yeoman was at the concert. <clears throat> but anyway, I, I, uh, I was driving. They were dressed, you see that? It looked like the circus. Like glitter and sequins and friendship bracelets from their earlobes down to their baby toe. Everywhere. And I'm talking about I saw guys in dresses and big hoop earrings. You know what they looked like? Like they were going to a Taylor Swift concert. So don't be a hypocrite and tell me that, well, it don't matter how you come to church. If the Swifties get it, the Fundies ought to get it. Say amen right there. I hate that term. But anyway, all right, so there's the inspiration. There's the importance. But here's the inspiration for obeying the instruction. Watch this. Here's why they should follow God's instruction. Verse 6, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord. Thy God, the Lord thy God, hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now watch this. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were special. Watch this. Because you had money. Because you were white, black, or American. Say amen right there. He said, you weren't anything. He said, not because you're more in number than any people. If you're the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. Watch this. He said, here's the reason why I expect you to follow my commands and obey my word. It's because I loved you when you didn't deserve it. I was good to you when you didn't merit it. I was real in your life when you could care less about me. And you remember this? You're the smallest among them all. And Abraham was wrapped up in Ur of the Chaldees. And I called him out and I blessed you in spite of yourself. And that's why it ought not be a struggle for us to take our stand for righteousness and draw a line in the sand and make a stand for God. Why? We've been saved by His grace. We didn't deserve that. We ought to be in hell tonight with our back broke. But God in His goodness showed mercy to us and saved our own wretched soul from hell. And that's why we can dig deep and say, I'll just stand for God. So He gives them all these things. And if Israel would obey, they'd have the victory. But I like what He says in verse 1 verse 2. It's already as if it's going to happen. Is already guaranteed. He said, just mark it down. He said, when you get there, I'm going to give it to you. And then I'm going to deliver these people into your hand. It's as good as already done. Now, I want to show you a few attributes of this God who shall. Look at verse number 9, and this is the verse where I got hung up in my study. Verse 9, and we'll go through the ver uh, verse number 10 as well, but verse 9 begins to show us attributes of who our God is. Now, God tells them their enemies will be conquered, they'll be kept from disease, they'll have fruitful families, blessed beyond any other people, and they can already go ahead and count it as though they've won the victory before the victory had been won. You and I tonight are not going to be on the winning side. We live on the winning side. It is not that we are going to be, listen, going to be saved. We are saved. It is not that we are going to be seated together with Christ. We are currently seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in Ephesians chapter 2. Amen. It is not that we might get raptured out. We're going to get raptured out. Amen. Let me show you a few attributes of God. Number one, watch this. The God who shall, number one, is formidable. You see what it says in verse 9? Know, know therefore that, though, look what it says, the Lord. I like that. It doesn't just say that he is uh, some man or somebody. But he said, I want you to understand, the God that we're talking about is the Lord. He said, He is one that has power. He is one who has position. He is one who is to be esteemed. And I like what it said. He is the Lord. Now, that's pretty good right there. But it gets even better as you read deeper on into your Bible and find out He's not just the Lord. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is above all. He is before all. He is bigger than all. He is more mighty than all. He is the Lord. You say, how can I mark it down? that I've already got the victory before I've got the victory. It's because the Lord is on our side and the Lord is the procurer of the victory. He's formidable. Number two, he's familiar. I like this. It says the Lord thy God. I like that. 
I like the, that he's a personal God. You study your Bible, how often did God call people by their name? Not just a number, not just a nationality, but he knew their name. In the Garden of Eden it began when he called out Adam's name. In the days of the flood, he called out Noah's name. Even before that, Enoch, he knew Enoch, his name. You think about Mary in the garden after the resurrection, he called her by name. And isn't that a blessing tonight that God knows you and I personally? In a church this size, it's hard to know everybody. In fact, we hand visitor cards to lifelong members. Some, that's, that's just how it is. You see, hey, how you doing? Never been here before, but longer than you have, you know? And it just, it just happens that way. Can I say, God's got a lot more to keep track of than we do. But God knows every single one of us. He sees every tear. He numbers every head. He knows every, every hair on every head. He knows every burden. He knows where you stand tonight. God knows us personally. I'm glad Jesus loves me. This I know. But I'm glad Jesus knows me. This I love. Amen. He's formidable. He's familiar. Watch this. He is factually God. You see what it says in the verse? He is God. He said, I just want to go ahead and clear the air here in case anybody's going to doubt out there. He says, well, maybe he is one of the gods, or maybe he's just a good force in this world, or maybe, maybe it's just like a philosophy that we follow or a body of principle. No, he is God. He is factually God. He is the truth. He is the only God. There's no God beside him. It doesn't matter what the critic says. It doesn't matter how many holes they try to punch in the argument. There is no argument to punch a hole through. He's already been settled. Our God is God. He is factually God. Watch this. He's faithfully God. He is God, the faithful God. Now, listen, God is loving. God is merciful. God is full of grace. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is all the other, the, the big words that we, Brother Oxendine used. Uh, what was, he spoke in tongues like three times on Wednesday night. If he had said cool lots, I was getting out of here. Anyway, uh, all these different things. All of those other things on God's resume wouldn't mean a whole lot if he wasn't faithful. His love, if he wasn't faithful. His mercy, if he wasn't faithful. His long-suffering, if he wasn't faithful. But I like how he declares himself, this God that we serve is a faithful God. I remember back in 2017 or 16, we drove all the way across the country, and we, I preached in uh, Montana. And uh, if you want to get depressed, go to Montana. But it is beautiful, but depressing. Anyway, I was in Montana, and uh, I remember we drove on the way back, took a, took a road trip because it was like our anniversary or something like that. We went through Yellowstone. And people were lined up all the way throughout that park. And I didn't know if it's because there's a grizzly bear attack or wolves are chasing a kid. Or, I mean, the people were just lined up. And we got out and we went to see what it was. And everybody was standing there staring at this big hole in the ground. I'm serious. People driv drove, driv people drove all the way across the country to go see a hole in the ground. Because that hole shoots water out of it. That's, just, that's amazing. I mean, it shoots water out of itself every 90 minutes. Can you imagine that? I mean, why? What? Can you imagine that? I mean, every 90 minutes, people, people lining up right there. 60 minutes, they stand there to watch a hole shoot water up out of, out of itself. And there's documentaries about it, and there's books about it. Some of you probably have T-shirts referencing it. I mean, it's just like a, it's a vacation destination to watch the faithfulness of a hole in the ground shoot out water. <laughs> and people get excited about it, take family photos, selfie, whatever. Hey, look, we got to see this hole shoot water out of the ground. And they call it Old Faithful. Well, if you can get stirred up about that, hello, neighbor. I mean, if you can get stirred up about that, can I say that there is something far more faithful, someone far more faithful than a hole in the ground that's a few thousand years old that shoots out water every once in a while? God is not just 
God is not just faithful every 90 minutes. God is faithful every second of your life and more. God is ne never anything but faithful. He abideth faithful when we stray and fail him. Yet he's faithful when we fall short. Yet he's faithful when the sun is up. He's faithful in the darkness. He is faithful. He is faithful. Faithful God. That's just what he is. Let me give you another one. He's formidable. He's familiar. He's factually God. He's faithfully God. He's forever God. You see this just in this verse. The Bible says he keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments. Watch this, to a thousand generations. Now, don't try to count that. Don't be that guy. That's like when he said forgive 70 times 7. You're not supposed to count it. <laughs> You're like, all right, well, I've almost reached it. You know what I mean? That was, sorry, you went one over. You're not supposed to count. The purpose is keep on doing it. <laughs> forgive, forgive. Well, that's what he's saying here. He's not just saying I'm going to be good to you, keep this covenant, show you mercy for a thousand generations. He's saying there is no end to me being God for you. I was God for your, 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 your forefathers. I'll be God in your generation. I'll be God for your children. Man, that's encouraging to me. I spend a lot of my time reading about what God has done. But that's important because if we don't realize what God has done, we won't know where God wants to hit, lead us, right? So we read about what God has done. But I'm glad it's not just a past tense thing. I'm glad God can do it for us. And here's another thing. If Jesus stays as coming, I'm glad that uh, if Lincoln grows up and doesn't go to jail or anything like that, maybe God will, Link, wake up. God will do it for him. Isn't that be a blessing? And if he has children one day, God will do it for them. And as long as, listen, as long as God has his children here, God's going to take care of us. He is forever, forever God. And there's one more, and I'll close, and it's a negative, but not for you and I. Verse number 10, and, he, and repayeth them that hate him to their face. I didn't have a good word for this, so I just said, he's a fixing God. You ever heard, like, that's country, he's going, I'm going to fix you. My mom would say that, I'm going to fix you. Never did fix me. But she tried a lot. I'm going to fix you. He's promising to execute judgment on those who stand against him. Now listen, it is hard to swallow some of the stuff that we live around and live with every single day. It is hard to see it. I find myself having to watch myself not publicly displaying my disgust. That, back to that target thing. I have to watch it. When somebody, walk, I'm gonna get in trouble. when somebody walks through there, or no, I saw somebody in their car the other day and getting out, and they're, all, they're gloved up and masked up still, and I'm not trying to be like this. I have to watch myself, honestly. It is so hard. That's just an example. That doesn't get into the spiritual realm necessarily, but the homosexual, it's just hard to live around it. That thing that happened down there in Los Angeles with that group of transgender guys who drag queens that said they're nuns and all that, just mocking the name of Christ and different things. Right. That is hard to deal with. Yes, it is. The abortion agenda, all these things, that is hard to just sort of pray and say, God, just God. But one of these days, God's going to fix that. One of these days, God's going to set every wrong thing right. And make every crooked thing straight. Amen. And at the great white throne, if those folks don't get saved, a sad day, a sad day, when to their face God will repay them. For the Christian, we have great consolation that our God is faithful. To the lost person, there'll be great concern that our God is faithful. Tonight, I want to encourage you to listen. You might be praying ahead. You've not crossed over into it. You're on this side looking at that side. 
Can I say you can trust God who's led you through it to that point that He can lead you through on the other side as well. He is faithful. He's familiar. He's formidable. He's factually God. He's forever God. He's in control tonight. Thankful He's ours. Amen. And we're His. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.